Today we're wrapping up uh, this series that we've been in for several weeks called Home. And I'm glad to be uh, back home in church with you today. And uh, sorry, so sorry that I, I wasn't here last week. I was dealing with a, a sinus infection and an ear infection. And uh, we even tried to, uh, to work on technology for me to say a word to you uh, over the screen, but that just didn't come together, and it was probably better off. I would have coughed through most of it, and that would have got uh, annoying. And who knows, you might even have got the infection through the cyberspace, the airwaves somehow. So glad to be here. I appreciate Pastor Chad so much uh, uh, stepping in on very short notice and uh, bringing a word to you. And speaking of Pastor Chad and Jen, um, next Sunday, May 19th, uh, will be uh, their last uh, Sunday with us as, as pastor. And, and uh, we want to send them off with a great, great blessing. And so I hope that you are here. And uh, we are receiving a, a love offering for them. You can contribute now. You can contribute next week, anytime in between. We want to bless and encourage them as he goes to pastor the Canadian Hills Church of Nazarene outside of Oklahoma City. And uh, we're also going to celebrate uh, next week with them with a, with a lunchtime together after the service. It's going to be a church-wide Texas potluck. There'll be a sign-up genius uh, going out uh, over, the, over the online, and you can sign up to, to bring food. And I sure hope you'll be here. One of the great things that we can do as a body of Christ is bless people as they go to where God calls them. So uh, let's be here and celebrate with Chad and Jen and the boys uh, next week. It's also Pentecost Sunday, next Sunday, and uh, that's often called the birthday of the church, and we look forward to just uh, being in the presence of the Holy Spirit who's been poured out into the church and in the lives of believers uh, next Sunday. So uh, today, uh, being Mother's Day, um, the sermon I have for us in this series is not aimed just at mothers. It's, it's aimed at parents primarily, but there's, there's so much that all of us uh, can take from it, and especially we can take from it even as, as children, and all of us are children here today, are we not? Uh, you're somebody's child, and I'm glad you're here. I read something funny. You know, moms uh, tend to rank a little higher in the household often than fathers do. I know a lot of fathers like to think that they're, you know, ruling and in control, but a lot of us kind of know the way it is, at least in, in the view, from the view of, of kids a lot of times. Uh, a humorist uh, comedian, Jim Gaffigan, that, uh, that I like in, in, a, in an excerpt from his new, new book, uh, the title of the new book is interesting, it's called Dad is Fat. Um, he explains where he thinks he stands in the parental hierarchy. And, and he says it this way, he said, as a dad, you are a vice president. You're part of the executive branch of the family, but in our children's eyes, we mostly fulfill a ceremonial role of attending ball games, pageants, and ordering pizza. He says, my wife is Bill Clinton, and I am Al Gore. She feels their pain, and I'm the dork reminding them to turn off the lights. He says, being, uh, being president mom is a position outside of our pay grade and, and skill set. We can't breastfeed and we wouldn't know how to braid hair anyway. And that's when you realize you not only have no idea what you're doing, but you have become the God help us if something happens to the president, vice president. 
Hey, it's not easy being a mom or a dad. It's, it's one of life's greatest challenges. But it's also, for sure, one of life's greatest privileges. And I, I have often thought, as a parent, how can I get this right? How can I get it right? I, I've had moments where I thought I was doing pretty well, and then others where I think, man, you've just blown it so badly. And others where it was just... Just so uncertain is what to do. What, what steps should I take? We've tried this, tried that. That seemed to work, and then it didn't work the second time. And we tried to, you know, you just, you go through lots of, lots of struggles, searching for, for help and ideas. And you recognize that um, you don't get it right all the time. And you're not going to. But you can ask God to help you remain headed and leading in the right direction direction his direction I think that's something that all of us as parents with God's help can do we can always we're not going to get every detail right but we can be moving and headed and have our hearts and minds inclined in the right direction and be leading our families our children in that direction if you do that you will not only be blessed in your life but you will be a blessing, a blessing to your children and blessing to far more people than that. So a, a couple of questions today. How do we want to bless our children? How do we want to bless them? And, and what do we want to bless them with? God's Word has some direction for us in the inspired instructions and, and observations that we find in the book of Proverbs, most of them coming from from Solomon, a man that God granted with, with great knowledge and wisdom. And there are, the, there are three things that, I, as I read through Proverbs chapter 4 about parenting recently, there are three things that stuck out to me that I want to, to be a part of my, my life in terms of blessing people and especially blessing my children. I want to, I want to bless my children with wisdom, with wisdom that leads them to good choices. Wisdom that leads them to good choices. Listen, listen to what uh, it says in Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. It says this, My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. That bears repeating. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head and she will present you with a beautiful crown. Whenever my uh, father um, would see or hear about someone's life being affected in any kind of major way, whether it be positive or negative. He, he would very often, I can hear him saying it right now because he still says it today. When he sees somebody's life being affected in a major way, whether it's positive or negative, he often just offers a one-word commentary, and that word is choices. 
I can see him looking at me and just looking at me and just choices. Sometimes he would make it a two-word commentary and he would say, choices, choices. What is the wisdom that leads to good choices? If we're to seek wisdom, you know, what is that wisdom? Is it just general observations about life? Well, sure, there's a lot of good common sense wisdom that, that just comes with looking at how life tends to work, how God's creative order tends to work. And the Proverbs are full of those kind of general observations, like this is how things usually tend to go. This is basically the way that God set things up. They don't always go that way, but... They tend to go that way. There's a lot of general wisdom to be, to be gained from just basics of life. But the great wisdom that's being talked about here and that really makes a difference and that leads to good choices is the wisdom that comes from the truth of God. The truth of God. In, in David's longest psalm, Psalm 119, a psalm that is primarily about the Word of God, there's a couple of familiar verses there that, that remind us of the truthfulness of God's Word and the wisdom that's there and how it leads us. Familiar verse in Psalm 119, verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And another verse later in that Psalm, verse 105, says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now that doesn't cover every detail of life. You read those verses and follow them, that doesn't tell you what car to buy or what laptop to buy. It doesn't tell you which bill you should pay first. If there's any questions about which one has to be paid first. It doesn't do that, but what it always does is point you again in the right direction points you in the right direction for the decisions that matter most it's not that purchasing a car or a computer or paying a bill is not an important thing in your life but the decisions that matter most that last the longest that have the biggest impact on the most people and stretch into eternity those are decisions that need to be informed by the truth of God the decisions that have to do with what your relationship is with God and your relationship is with other people. The truth of God is what informs us to make the best choices about those relationships. But wisdom isn't just instruction. It's not just nuggets of truth that, that uh, parents drop on us. Wisdom is, is more than that. Wisdom is also about presence. And my parents taught me a lot of things well, but they taught me a lot of right and true things and a lot of things according to Scripture. But my parents' instruction to me wouldn't matter much if it was all talk. If my perception and my recognition of what they were saying didn't line up with who they were as people. And if, and if they weren't there to show me what the words meant and what God-informed, wise choices look like in their own lives. I'm really blessed. I'm really thankful. I know it's not everybody's story, but that my parents were communicating that, 
that they not only spoke true words, but that truth resonated with who they were. And that they were with me. And that God was with me. And that God was for me. And that was pointing me to a truth that would stay with me. You can't get everything right as a parent. Can't even get everything right as a grandparent. Although I like to think I'm pretty close right now. (laughs) Although I'm still trumped by President Juju, as she's known. (laughs) To know that, that words and presence... The words of God and the presence of God and the demonstration of God's presence in somebody's life line up together. That's what communicates the strongest that no matter what you face in life, God will be with you and before you. There's an old prayer prayed by a a great uh, writer from the past, Thomas Merton. And uh, he wrote uh, 15 lines that have become known in some circles as the Thomas Merton Prayer. It kind of goes along with these thoughts. He prayed this, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. And therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost. And in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. As parents, we give our children a great blessing if our words and our lives communicate, especially that last line, that you are forever with me and you'll never leave me to face my life alone. I mentioned earlier that my my brother is a good and a a thoughtful writer. And um, in uh, a recent blog, uh, he recalled an incident uh, from our childhood. And um, it's an incident that I don't have a personal memory of. Um, Our family took a trip about two and a half, three years after I was born to see my mom's parents, who uh, lived most of our lives a long way from us up in Washington State. And um, my brother commented in his blog that most of Washington was everything that Oklahoma was not. (laughs) Uh, There were mountains with snow on them year-round and tall trees that were always green, and and there was Seattle. Uh, I don't think there's anything in Oklahoma that looks like Seattle at all. And he said, um, I love my Oklahoma roots, and Oklahoma City uh, is, is a growing and more cosmopolitan city these days, but he said, back then, Seattle was nothing like I'd ever seen. 
Michael said, the thing I remember most about Seattle was the Space Needle. You got to remember, this is like 1966, 67. So a Space Needle was a big deal. <laughs> he said, I remember the this, this Space Needle and that it was a long way up in the air and further up than anything should go without the aid of an airplane. My brother has inherited my uh, father's um, fear of heights. And he said, I remember standing on the observation deck over against the wall with my father, scared to death. And I, you know, I don't remember it, but I've been other, in other buildings and other places with my dad, and there's no way he's going out on the deck, out on the patio. That's just not going to happen. He has, his fear overcomes him, and coinciding with his fear, he says, is an urge to jump, which is really strange to me. Um, so I'm glad he stays back against the wall. So there they were hugging against the wall, and my brother said, I remember our grandfather, a tall Texan named John Thomas Crawford, holding my little, helpless, innocent brother over by the railing that overlooked uh, all of Seattle. He said Jeffrey was just hanging on to the rail, and Granddad Crawford was hanging on to Jeffrey. He, and uh, he said, as he typed this, he said, my palms are sweaty right now. And my fingers keep slipping off the keys. He said, Jeffrey doesn't really remember that event. I told you I didn't. He said, but I, I just can't let it go. And he kind of put that, uh, that memory in the context of the main subject that he was writing about in his blog, which is about parenting and now parenting three adult sons. Because for those of us that have children that are grown, we, we all would acknowledge today the parenting doesn't end, does it? It just takes on a, a little bit different form. My brother said, I, I love my wife and their sons and their families more than ever. And he said that the will to protect them has never been stronger. But he said this, and I, I like this line. He said, but I'm also learning that the distance between a hug and a chokehold is very small. <laughs> he said, I don't want to hold on so lightly. I don't want to hold on so tightly, excuse me, to what I want and, and think that I have to squeeze the life out of that which is most precious to me. And he said, I'm trying to. And he, he talked in, his, in the writing about cliches that he's not all that fond of it. But he said, yes, I am trying to let go and let God. And he said, I just have to know and trust God to know the difference between what will kill me and what will give me a more abundant life. And I have to trust that his ability to handle the unknown is much greater than mine. How do we bless our children? How do we communicate that we love them and want the, the best for them and lead them in the right direction? And how do we know that fine line between a hug and a chokehold? I think it's through the wisdom and the presence of God. We need to bless our children with wisdom that leads to better choices.
And the second thing is, is very similar, but has just a little different feel or connotation to me, and that's that we need to bless your children, bless our children with guidance that leads to a better life. In Proverbs 4, beginning at verse 10, he says this, My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. And when you run, you won't stumble. So take hold of my instructions and don't let them go. And guard them. For they are the key to life. When I say a better life, to guide your children to a better life, what do, you, what do, you, what do I mean by that? What do you mean a better life? Are you talking about their education? Well, I think that's very important. It, it really is. I, I count it a, a tremendous blessing and so grateful that, uh, that my children made it through school and, in fact, both have graduated from college. I'm very thankful for that. Janae had a red shirt year in there, but, but still she made it, made it through college. And so thankful for that. You're talking about their relationships with people, in better relationships. Well, yeah, certainly that's, that's really important. Treating people well, having respect for yourself and for others and all of those things, that's, that's really good. I, I value being well-rounded. I, I think it's good to, to have experience with lots of different things and to pursue different things. I'm, I'm glad my parents exposed me to a lot of places and a lot of different things and I played sports and I was into music and and into into reading and lots of different things I, I, being well-rounded is good being healthy that's a that's a huge thing you know health and anything we can do to promote our children's to have healthy bodies and healthy minds that's that's extremely important I think it's fantastic if if what we do influences our kids to be positive people people that enjoy life People that bring life into the room when they walk in, not stuck it out. I think all that's, that's cool, good stuff. All of that's good, and, and I hope that from, continue to hope that for my children and my granddaughter. All that's good, I really hope for it. But like Paul said to Timothy, a young man that, that he was mentoring, I, I, I think that we all need to be reminded of what Paul said, and I think inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote this to Timothy. When he said, when he said this, physical training is good. So things, other things you apply yourself to are good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all the believers. There's a lot of stuff that's good, and a lot of stuff that, in a sense, makes life better. But there's only one thing that matters most. For your children and that's God's will if you point your children to that 
you're doing the most important thing you can do as a parent, as a person. And in thinking about that, you shouldn't do anything outside of God's will to try and help or please your children. Because in the end, that will not make their life better. When our daughters got to the age where, where they were moving, you know, moving out of adolescence and, and into adulthood, and where we, we came to a point where we recognized that you know, certain forms of discipline or accountability or those kind of things, the, the forms that, that we used uh, as they were growing up that worked in some measure and sometimes didn't work, but anyway, those things, we just, they just didn't apply anymore. We just kind of, we were on new territory, had a new relationship. And Julie and I kind of settled in on this communication to our daughters. From this point forward, we will do anything we can to make your life better. Anything within our power, we'll do to make your life better. Not to make you more dependent not just to make you happy, but anything we can to make your life better. And you know that for us, that means that we seek to follow God's word and God's values and God's direction for our lives. And so that's going to inform anything we do to try to help you. But in the long run, we'll do anything we can to make your life better according to what we understand God's will to be. And I would challenge you as parents, no matter the age of your children, to keep God's will and God's values up here and say, I, I love you and I want you to be happy and I want the best for you, but we have some standards and we have a direction our lives are headed and everything we do is going to be informed by that. And so as I seek to provide and guide for your life, I'll do anything I can to make it better. But understand, what I want most for you is to know and follow God's will. So many of you committed to that when you brought your infant son or daughter to me or to another pastor in the moment of dedication. You said, that's what I want to do. I just remind you of that today, if you've made that commitment anyway. The final blessing I want to talk about today is, is this, to bless your children with life-giving words. Life-giving words that help them to guard their hearts. Back over there in Proverbs chapter 4, there are words that, uh, that speak to guarding our hearts. It's at the end of Proverbs 4 there, beginning at verse 20. And as soon as I remember that Proverbs is after Psalms, I'll, I'll be there with you. Proverbs 4, beginning at verse 20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words and don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them. And healing to their whole body. And guard your heart above all else for it determines 
the course of your life. Some translations say, for the heart is the wellspring of life. Solomon was saying that your heart, the center of your life, that's the place in which everything else comes. Your thoughts, your words, your actions, it all flows out of the heart. Something very consistent with what Jesus taught. In uh, Tennessee, where, where I've lived uh, a number of the years in my life and where a number of my family still live, Tennessee, like other states that, that we could think of, like Arkansas and Missouri and, and others that I've been in and, and seen some of these, uh, Tennessee has thousands and thousands of natural springs. That's where water flows to the surface from deep under the ground. And, and then it eventually starts accumulating in pools or begins to run off into creeks and, and into streams. And if you plug up that spring, if, if you stop the flow of water, or if, if you were to somehow contaminate or poison that water, the, the, the flow becomes toxic. In either situation, whether you, you stop the flow of water or you poison the water, it threatens life downstream. Because everything that is fed by that spring depends on the condition of the spring. The analogy is probably clear to you. If your heart, the center of your life, if it's unhealthy, it has an impact on everything else. If your heart's unhealthy, if the center of your life is out of place, if, if the direction you're headed and where your heart and your mind are set aren't right, it threatens your family. It'll threaten your friends. It'll end up even threatening things like your career. It'll threaten a ministry that you have. And it'll certainly affect generations to come. That's why Solomon was so right and inspired by God to write, Guard your heart. It's imperative that you do so. And you've got to understand it's, it's under attack. Your heart's under attack. Our children's hearts are under attack daily by an incredibly deceitful, and not only deceitful, but destructive enemy. So guard your heart. I don't know if I can remember all the words today. Um, but there was a song written 25 years or so ago that maybe even early on in my ministry here I shared with you and it's, it's just stuck in my, my mind. The human heart is easily swayed and often betrayed at the hand of emotion. We dare not leave the outcome to chance. We must choose in advance or live with the agony. Such needless tragedy. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't trade it for treasure. 
Don't give it away. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. As a payment for pleasure, it's a high price to pay. God knows that at the center of your life and who you're devoted to is the most important thing. And it's the most important thing for our children and grandchildren. So today, we must pursue everything that would lead us to protect our hearts and have them centered on Him. The thing I'm most grateful for today, and the thing that always trumps the fact that there's an enemy who's incredibly deceitful and destructive, is that there is a God who pursues and instructs us. That even today, my heart and the heart of my daughters is pursued and instructed, if they'll hear it, by a loving God who wants the absolute best for them and who will never, ever let go of his love for them and for you and me. Father, I thank you today for your, your word and the instruction that is there. I thank you that uh, you've revealed yourself completely and fully. And not only given us words of wisdom, but you've sent us wisdom in the flesh through your son, Jesus Christ. The way he lived and showed us how to live and the way he taught and spoke and the words that we have written in the scriptures. There's enough wisdom there, Lord, to point us in the right direction. And then, Lord, there's the presence of your Holy Spirit that you've sent into the lives and the hearts of believers to help guide us and keep us going in that direction. So, Lord, I just pray today for all of us, and especially for parents today. It's a challenge being a parent these days, Lord, and you know that. I don't guess the issues are any different than they were 2,000 years ago, but the intensity seems to be so much greater sometimes and society and the marketplace are, are not often our allies in trying to bless our children with what's truly good and what truly matters if you're a parent here with me today no matter the age of your children. I'm just going to ask you to think for a moment about what direction, what direction you're leading your, your children, what direction you're pointing them in. Is it one that honors God? And 
are you present in their lives? Are you doing, are you doing more than just saying things? Or are you present in their lives and showing them what it means to love and care and, and grow in a relationship with God? Are you, are you demonstrating to them the priorities that, that speak that there's one thing that matters most? And I hope and pray today for you that your life and your words will communicate to them that you love them unconditionally. And they can always count on that love, no matter what. And if you do that, I believe it will make it so much more relevant to them for you to speak of a God who loves them and will always be for them. That they can always hold on to. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for the blessing of being a dad. I thank you for the, the privilege that you've given me to have two wonderful daughters. And I pray that my life, the rest of my life, and anything that I leave behind will point them to you. And may they always know that you're the God who doesn't let go.